Good morning. Y'all ready for a good day? We've already had a good day. It's been good. Jesus is good. And uh, if you were here on Wednesday night, uh, I am preaching the same message that I spoke on Wednesday. It's going to be a little different um, than it was on Wednesday. But a majority of you were not here on Wednesday. And so this will be the first time that you get to hear this. And um, such a powerful revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. And so this morning, we're going to start things off a little differently than normal. And this is what I did spontaneously Wednesday night. Actually, felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. We were praying healing over Carol Haney and her body. And when we were praying over her, I felt the Holy Spirit speak something to my heart. And so... Those of you who were with us, if you were here on Wednesday, can you raise your hand if you were a part of that? Okay. So those of you who were here, we together made a pact. And before we do that all together, because really I, I was struggling preaching the same message that I just preached today. I didn't want it to come off as me being lazy or unprepared and so throwing something together at the last minute, but... We really, after that message and the confirmations we received and, and what people were telling us, we knew this had to be for the whole body. And so, without a doubt, God confirmed that. And then Leslie yesterday goes down for a uh, women's ministers conference. And like she said, the passage of scripture they studied was this very passage. And that was just another confirmation, the Holy Spirit saying this needs to be preached again. And so we're going to start today with this quote, and then we are all together, those of you in agreement with me, are going to make a pact together, okay? So the title of today's message is Who the Blind Man Saw. Um, but here's the quote I want to start with. This is from Bill Johnson. Every believer has written into his or her spiritual DNA the desire for the supernatural. This God-born passion dissipates when it has been reasoned away when it's not exercised, or when it's buried in disappointment. I'm going to read that one more time. This is true for all of us, everyone who is a child of God. This is true. Every believer has written into his or her spiritual DNA the desire for the supernatural. Let me clarify this. Supernatural is a man-made term. This is not a God term because... Everything happening in the heavenly realms is natural for God. It's not supernatural. What we see as natural, this world is a fading illusion. Heaven is real. Heaven is natural. Heaven is supposed to become the new normal, the new natural for us as sons and daughters of God. And so... This desire for heaven to invade our lives, to invade our homes, to invade our relationships and our workplaces, this should be a natural part of the fiber of our being, our spiritual DNA, a passion to see healings and miracles and signs and wonders. And what Jesus saw, what Jesus did, 
It should be a passion and a desire in our hearts to see that same thing happen in our lives. This God-born passion, it dissipates, it fades, it goes away. When it has been reasoned away, when it's not exercised, or when it's buried under disappointment. We've said many times, if it's death, loss, or destruction, it's not God. And how often our passion and our enthusiasm for the things of God, to see his power displayed, to see his will and his kingdom come, it fades away in disappointment. It fades away when logically we reason this really can't be real. This really can't be true. But this morning, here's what I want to do. I want us to make a pact together, if you're in agreement with me, that is the word of God true? Every word? Is God always good? Does God always keep his promises? Has he ever broken a promise? Okay then. Then if we're not seeing the things that God has promised in his word, the signs that he said would follow those who believe, if we're not seeing these things happen, it should not be cause for us to retreat it should not be cause for us to reason away why they're not happening. It should not be cause for us to assign blame why they're not happening. But it should be cause for us to pursue with even more passion and determination the promises that are in his word. Amen? Because God is always good. He's always faithful. He's never broken a promise that he has made. And his word is true. And so can we agree together this morning that no longer... Will we ever retreat, reason away, if something is not happening that God has promised to us will happen? If we're not seeing it, we go after it even harder. We push in even more. We press in even more. We proclaim it. We declare it. We believe it with everything that we are. We don't retreat. We advance. We get into our prayer closet, we press in, we, we ask questions there, we battle it out there, but we declare it that these promises are yes and amen. And we're gonna stand upon his promise. We're gonna stand upon his word. Do you agree this morning? So today we're gonna to talk about who the blind man saw. And if you want to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, we're going to read through this entire passage of Scripture. And then we're going to go through it and break it down verse by verse. So Mark chapter 10, we're going to start reading in verse 46. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. So this is the story of blind Bartimaeus, Bartimaei, he goes by different names, same person. So we're going to read straight down through these six verses, and then we're going to go back through this. When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met with a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaei. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. Heal me. Those in the crowd were indignant 
and scolded him for making such a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all his might, Son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him to come to me. So they went to the blind man and said, Have courage, get up. Jesus is calling for you. So he threw off his beggar's cloak, jumped up, and made his way to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The man replied, my master, please let me see again. Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once the man's eyes opened and he could see again. And he began walking at once to follow Jesus, walking down the road with him. See, Bartimaeus was a beggar sitting on the side of the road. We do not know how long he had been sitting there. We do not know how long he had been blind. But we know he was a beggar. And in those days, as a first century beggar, life was not easy on Bartimaeus. Um, most occupations of the day would have required physical labor. So anyone born with or having a disability would have been at a severe disadvantage because there weren't many desk jobs that day. And so you had to work with your strength, with your body. And so being born blind or being born disabled, lame, you, you were at a severe disadvantage in society. You could not earn a living. You could not provide for yourself, for your family. Most of the time, you were forced to sit along the side of the road and beg. There was not any medical help. It wasn't available. The irony here is that years and years ago, in God's word in Leviticus, um, God's law commanded care for the needy. Jesus didn't... Uh, you know, establish a new, um, a new law when he said, love one another, love people, care for the widow, care for the orphan. It was something that he was reiterating that had already been established in God's word. Yet over time, those who were born with disabilities, infirmities, those who were sick, they were cast aside. They were shoved aside. They became the unseen. They became the marginalized. And very little of God's love was ever given to these people. And so, a first century blind man would have been dependent on everybody to meet their needs. Was it, only, it was bad enough that Bartimaeus was born blind but blindness in that culture was looked at as a curse from God because of sin. And so not only was he unable to provide for himself, he was also looked at as being a cursed man because somehow, some way, either he or his family would have had to have sinned to bring God's judgment down upon him. And so no one wanted anything to do with Bartimaeus. He was a cursed man. 
an accursed man, a beggar sitting on the side of the road, much like this. This is probably about what he would have looked like. He would have had his beggar's cloak completely covering his body. He would have probably been hunched down or sitting down on the side of the road, crying out day and night for someone to help him. And there came a day when Bartimaeus began to hear something that was unusual. You see, for a blind man, his sense of hearing would be heightened. And so he begins to hear some commotion. He begins to hear some disturbance. He begins to hear the sound of a large crowd approaching. And so he looks at those who are around him and he says, what's going on? I hear something, what's happening? And they say, it's Jesus. Go to verse 46 again. I'm gonna read 46 through 48. When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaei. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me in my affliction. Heal me. Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making such a disturbance, but he kept shouting with all of his might, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Son of David, what was so important, what was so profound about Bartimaeus using the term son of David? Because we hear it now all the time especially around the Christmas season, that's a normal title of the Son of God that we hear, Son of David. Jesus was prophesied to be in the lineage and he was a descendant of King David. He would sit on David's throne. But why was it so incredible that Bartimaeus would recognize Jesus as being the Son of David? He saw Jesus as the Messiah, as the promised one. His faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the one who was fulfilling the messianic claims of restoring sight to the blind. His faith in Jesus as the Messiah is what healed him. That's still not sinking in for some of you. But an incredible revelation had to have happened somewhere in his life for Bartimaeus, a blind man who never met Jesus before, to have heard the stories, to have heard the testimonies of the ministry of this Jesus and to recognize that this was the prophesied Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And how ironic that a blind beggar recognized who Jesus was when so many others who had seen miracle after miracle after miracle still did not recognize who Jesus was. But a blind man did. A blind man who had never even met Jesus before. And how often, how many times have we experienced or have we witnessed or have we heard testimonies like we just heard this morning with Scott about the awesome power of Jesus 
yet we still don't really recognize who he is. For us right now, in my time of need right now, yeah, I know, Jesus, you did it for them. Jesus, you've done things in my life, but really, I don't know if you can really come through for me now. How many of us have found ourselves in that place? You did it years ago. You're doing it, you know, in the Middle East. You're doing it in Africa. You're doing it in South America. I hear you're doing it in other churches in the, in the United States. But really, Jesus, are you still doing it? Is it really real? He doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So listen, if he was the healer then, if he was the savior then, he's the savior now. He's the healer today. How many of you believe that? Good. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not sure where I would go from here. We miss the master so often, but he's the same. His healing power for Bartimaeus was the same healing power that was in this room this morning, the same healing power that flowed through Scott's body, the same healing power that's flowing through your body, the same Jesus we cannot miss what a blind man was able to see. Okay, so for those of you in the room that need healing, I said this Wednesday night, I know that there are more now than there were then, um, but there are some of you sitting in this room that you would have did the exact same thing Bartimaeus did, because I know you and I know your personalities, and if you're sitting on the side of the road as Jesus walks by, and you begin crying out, and people around you kind of look at you funny and tell you, shut up. You know, stop making commotion. Stop being, don't be distracting. It, Jesus is coming by. We can't focus. And there are some of you like Amy Crago, who all that's, all that's going to do is make you yell even louder, right? You're going to shout out even louder because Bartimaeus knew something. He knew that he may never get this chance again in his life. This was his moment. Jesus was in the room walking by. And Bartimaeus knew I cannot miss this opportunity. So I couldn't care less what anyone else says around me. I couldn't care less what anyone else, how they look at me. I'm crying out as loud as I can, hoping, hoping that Jesus hears me. So for those of you in the room this morning that need healing, no matter what, no matter how people look at you, no matter how or what they say to you, how they try to talk you out of your faith and reason it away and use logic to tell you how crazy you are, you yell out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me and heal me now. No matter what. Remember, we made a pact 
that we're not going to retreat, that we are going to advance and declare and proclaim the goodness of God and who he is. And I said Wednesday night, a verbal contract is binding in the state of Ohio, so you can't get out of it. <laughs> Actually, I looked up the definition of the word pact. It's a covenant. So we've made a covenant here together today. So you know what that means? As the body of believers, as the body of Christ, I get to hold you accountable for that, and you get to hold me accountable for that, and you get to hold each other accountable. It's okay to call each other out sometimes in love, not, hey, you idiot. Didn't you know what you just said? No, don't do that, okay? <laughs> Lovingly say, don't you know who you are? Don't you know what you hold? Live in it. Whew, okay, 49, verse 49. Jesus stopped. Okay, that's a big deal. Because we had already read that Jesus, as he was exiting Jericho, he was on his way to Jerusalem. This is right before the triumphal entry, right before he goes into Jerusalem for the final week of his life. He's on a mission to go somewhere, and he's walking and probably couldn't imagine how many thousands of people have congregated around him. Who knows how loud it is? I don't even know how he heard Bartimaeus, but he heard them, and he stopped. The same way he stopped when the woman with the issue of blood reached up and grabbed the end of his cloak, and Jesus stopped, and he turned and said, who touched me? He stopped in this moment as he was passing through Jericho. He stopped and he turned around and he said, call that man to come to me. Jesus stopped and said, call him to come to me. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up. Jesus is calling for you. I find it highly ironic that it was probably the very same people that were saying, shut up, that probably now had to turn around to him and go, Hey, buddy, <laughs> Jesus is calling you. You better go. I find that ironic. I think that's funny. And here's my favorite verse. So they said, have courage, get up. Jesus is calling you. So he threw off his beggar's cloak, jumped up, and made his way to Jesus does anyone know the Aramaic meaning of the, of the name Timei? Good, so you're not gonna steal my thunder when I tell you. <laughs> the name Timei in Aramaic means highly prized and esteemed. So Jesus did not see a beggar. He did not see a societal outcast. He saw a son who was highly prized, highly esteemed, who he loved so much. Culture had completely rejected him. Remember, his title was cursed. Cursed man, cursed beggar, blind Bartimaeus. And here's my favorite part of the story. He threw off his beggar's cloak, jumped up and made his way to Jesus. This is what Bartimaeus would have looked like. His cloak was his identity as a beggar. 
We heard last Sunday, we had a missionary with us, Bob Stetz, and he talked about faith, and he said, faith is belief followed by an action. Can't just believe, it has to be followed by an action. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. How do we follow that up by how we live? Because if we don't act upon our faith, it's dead, the Bible says. Faith without works is dead. And it's not really faith. Faith, belief, followed by an action. And as Bartimaeus, the first thing he does is what? When he hears, Jesus is calling you, he does what? He throws off his beggar's cloak. Why was throwing off his beggar's cloak such an act of faith? Who was here Wednesday? Come on. Amy. He knew he would never need that beggar's cloak again. Because he knew who Jesus was. He saw who Jesus was. And he knew, I'm never going to need that. That is no longer going to be my identity. Because when you look into the eyes of Christ, you become a completely different person. That was the act of faith that healed Bartimaeus. He threw off his beggar's cloak, he jumped up, and he ran. I don't know how he knew which direction to run, but he ran towards Jesus. And Jesus said this to him, verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? I love the obvious questions of Jesus, because this is not the first time he's done this. He did this with the man at the pool of Bethesda, right? He'd been blind his entire life, and Jesus walks up to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, I don't know, Jesus. What do you think I want you to do for me? Now, but here's the amazing part about this question. When Jesus, Jesus isn't stupid. He wanted to know, does this man actually know who I am? Because I guarantee you, Bartimaeus had been asked this question on a daily basis probably from people passing by. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And most beggars in this culture would have said, give me bread. Give me water. Give me a new cloak. What do you want me to do for you, Bartimaeus? Well, master, I want to see again. And in that moment, Jesus realized, Bartimaeus knows who I am. If it would have been anyone else other than Jesus, but it was the Messiah, it was the Christ. Jesus was the one asking the question. And so that changed everything in that moment for Bartimaeus because food and water and new clothes lost all value. And he knew, this is my moment. I'm going to see. And Bartimaeus said, I want to regain my sight. So this tells us one thing very importantly. Bartimaeus was not born blind. Bartimaeus, he knew what it was like to see, and he wanted to see again. 
Just like many of you in this room today that needs a healing in your body, you know what it's like to be whole. You know what it's like to be healthy. And you are crying out to the Messiah, have mercy on me, heal me. I want to be whole again. Just as Bartimaeus cried out. Go to verse 52. Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once the man's eyes opened and he could see again. And he began at once to follow Jesus, walking down the road with him. Isn't it amazing? Where, where did Bartimaeus follow Jesus to? Jerusalem. Bartimaeus, what does he see the next week of his life? He sees the crucifixion. Who knows? Bartimaeus was probably in the crowd. He probably saw it all taking place. This man who had just healed me of blindness. The next week of his life, he sees the Messiah go through what Jesus went through. The first week. And who, he, he may have been there. He may have been in the room. He may have been there when Jesus reappears. He may have been there. He may have been one of the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. We don't know. We don't know if he was. But we know something. He was changed forever. Now, this story also happens to take place in Matthew and Luke. We're not going to read those accounts, but in every uh, gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's all told from a little bit different of perspective, and there are some different things in each account. And here's one of the things I want to highlight from Matthew. Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and says, heal me. I want to see again. Matthew says, Jesus was deeply moved with compassion for them. And we see this over and over and over again throughout his ministry. Jesus being moved with compassion. I don't think Bartimaeus had many people look at him through the eyes of compassion, through the eyes of mercy. Jesus never, say never, never, ever denied somebody of a miracle. Not one time did Jesus look at someone and say, yeah, not you. I'm not healing you. I know what you've done. And you're not worthy. Or did he look at them and say, you know what? You just don't have enough faith. I can't do it. Come back when you have more faith. And here, here's the one that hit me. You've, you've believed in God for how long and you still haven't received your healing yet? Forget you. No. Jesus ever react like that? No matter their past, no matter what they've done, no matter how long they had believed, Jesus had compassion on everyone. Jesus never denied someone of a miracle or of a healing. 
because we've already established Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And in Luke chapter 4, this is who Jesus says he is. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free. That same Jesus was here today, is here today. That's the same Jesus that looked into the blind eyes of Bartimaeus and said, your faith has healed you. This is why Jesus came, and it is why he still comes. Every time. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Wow. The stories really were true. I wonder if that thought went through Bartimaeus' mind after his eyes popped open and he looked into the face of Jesus and that thought, wow, all of those stories really were true. I can't believe it. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. The confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. It definitely was for Bartimaeus. There was no assurance he saw, physically or spiritually. But he had confidence in knowing, Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are the promised one, you are the healer, you are the savior, and I'm going to put everything I am into my belief in that, and I'm going to run to you. I'm going to throw off my beggar's cloak because I believe you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do. So Luke kind of ends. I like the ending of Luke the best. So if you want to turn there or flip there, you can. It's Luke 18. What is it you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, please, I want to see again. Jesus said, now you will see. Receive your sight this moment. For your faith in me has given you sight and new life. Check it out. The Greek word here for restored is sozo. You know what sozo means? Sozo signifies both physical healing and salvation. So not only was this man healed of his infirmity, but he was spiritually renewed and restored. Jesus said, your faith in me has given you sight and new life. That's pretty amazing. I mean, healing his eyes would have been crazy awesome enough. But when Jesus does something, he does it all the way. He does it all the way. It's go big or go home for Jesus. And believe me, it's always go big. 
Your faith in me has given you sight and new life. Instantly he could see again. His eyes popped open and he saw Jesus. He shouted loud praises to God and he followed Jesus. And when the crowd saw what happened, they too erupted with shouts of praise to God. What is God's end goal in every miracle and every healing? His glory. His praise. Pastor Leslie already said it. When a miracle takes place, when something amazing happens, who gets the glory for it? When God uses you to do something incredible, when you lay your hands on someone and boom, they are healed, who gets the glory? He does, always. It's for his glory. It's for his kingdom. His name, not mine. Could you imagine of being, being there in that moment? How many of you have seen the video shared online of the lady with her, her arm, shoulders deformed? And, okay, it's on our movement, Friction Fire page. You have to, if you're on Facebook, you go home this afternoon or at lunch or on the car ride there, as long as you're not driving, okay? You pull up that video and you look at it and you watch, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, but literally a, a woman in the midst of some kind of service, her arm is completely deformed from about here on up, and you see Jesus completely remake her arm right there in that moment, and everything is caught on video. It's incredible, but do you know what ends up happening because of that? Everyone who's standing around her, everyone in the midst of her begins praising God like crazy, glorifying him, shouting out because he was the one that walked in and his power is who healed this young lady and he is worthy of it. Even if it doesn't happen, we still praise. We still give him glory because his goodness never changes. His mercy is new every morning. Never did Jesus deprive someone of a miracle. Never, ever does he not want to heal. Never. We have to recreate that theology in our minds that Jesus always wants to heal. He always wants to deliver. He always wants to set free. So if it doesn't happen, in the way we want it or in the time we want it, we don't retreat, we advance. We made a pact, right? We go after it. 